happening. Wait. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yeah! Yeah! Dragon Talk! <laughs> We're doing a new character every time we start this back up. Uh, we have Sergeant Shelly here. Detention! Dragon Talk listeners! D- wait, detention? You're giving us detention already? <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> it just... I don't know. Detention, Dragon Talk listeners! Ten hope! What is that? What... Is it ten? Yeah, like like a ten. Like, okay, yeah. attention. We've got Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> news to tell you about. Well, you're at attention, at ease. At ease. Affirmative. <laughs> now we are robots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, and so the robot. What are we supposed to be talking about today? Let's talk about robots. Um, you know who knows everything about robots? No. That we didn't get to talk about it a lot in the interview. No. But I'm pretty sure they're experts. Who? Steve Hobbs. Steve Hobbs? State Senator, Senator Steve Hobbs. Washington State Senator Steve Hobbs plays Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, he was a joy to have here in the office. He really was. And as you said, this was probably a first ever that a state senator was on Dragon Talk. <laughs> <laughs> that that one we can confirm. Confirmed. Uh, but Affirmative. I think it might also be the first time an elected official admitted publicly that I they would. were a player no. of Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think so. No. Didn't Cory Booker talk about it a lot? But an active player. I, I mean, he know. was he was going to leave our session uh, recording oh, yeah. to go play to go play Dungeons and Dragons yeah. uh, here in uh, the Seattle area. He's so. got a lot of initiatives that are. Inspired by yeah, his love of gaming really and D&D. He's got policies that he wants to, to talk ideas. about. Uh, and uh, we, of course, over the course of the interview, give him lots of uh, uh, policies that we want to put I forth out like there. we were actually pretty smart. Do you think, like, we're lawmakers now? I feel like we are because <laughs> we gave him some really good ideas that will be turned into law. Like uh, tomorrow? Yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I know how laws get made. How do laws get made? And don't I'm just a bill. sing the song yes, from I'm Schoolhouse Rock. Why didn't we ask him about that? We really should have. Just I almost sitting here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> well, it's a long, long journey to the Capitol City. Yes. It's a long, long wait when you're sitting in committee. <laughs> but I hope and pray someday. I don't know the rest. It just ends with someday. Do you, re- mm-hmm. do you remember, Ryan? Pay attention. I did feel like we needed to give everyone uh, a civics lesson as to like when, like what it means to be a state senator and all that. Uh, I'm glad you asked. Yes. So what does it mean, Shelley Mazzanoble? You make laws. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's all you got. Uh, I think you create a bill and then it gets voted on a committee. Yeah. See, let's go watch that Schoolhouse Rock thing and then we'll come right back. Let's do it. Uh, but, but Steve was, a, like I said, a, uh, he was just wonderful. Uh, yes. And uh, he's a current fan and he's looking to turn more folks in the legislative bodies here in Washington State uh, uh, into more fans yep. and uh, getting it out there. Uh, and I think that's, that's fantastic. And he has so. a nerd corner in his office. He's got a nerd corner. He's got his own podcast. Yes, he does. Yeah, Geeks of Cascadia, yeah. which you should listen to. He's also, I didn't realize this, he's co-founder of uh, OrcaCon. Right now. Uh, a convention, a gaming convention. I didn't know that either. Uh, here in Bellevue, uh, Washington. And he uh, had notes, and he was very prepared. I love it. I love, I love it all too. those things. He's like a, like a D&D player. I could see him 
almost becoming a friend of the show. I'd uh, like to have him on. I want to have him on next week. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Um, and, of course, he's playing through Waterdeep Dragon Heist yes. right now with his uh, group, and he was excited to uh, jump into Dungeon at the Man Mage uh, yep. afterwards. Uh, he's saying that he wants to get his characters uh, uh, in his party up to level 20 because nobody ever gets to do that. And I was like, that's a good goal. I, I don't even know what I would do with a D&D character at level 20. I would wish for uh, more wine. So many choices. Wine? Yeah. I just want to drink it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do at level 20. That's right. You just say wish for it and it comes and it's like appears. Wine. Wine. I mean, I guess you don't want to waste a wish spell on that. but What's not a waste? Yeah, it's true. It's not a waste. I'm with you right. on that one. Yeah. I think we are We are aligned. We are aligned in, in the regard. line. A um, whole bunch of great stuff came out last month for Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, there was, like I said, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yeah. Up to level 20. 23 levels of fun uh, adventure uh, that takes place underneath the city of Waterdeep can be used after Waterdeep Dragon Heist, but yeah. in any way, you can just uh, use any of those levels and drop it into your campaign. Yep. Lots of great Lots ideas of to mine. Uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica is out there. Yes. Tons of great stuff uh, based on the plane from Magic the Gathering and their current set yes. uh, right now, uh, uh, which you can play in uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, the beta that's ready uh, for that. So if any of those sound enticing to you, you can jump into uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons in those stories. And if you're interested, there's a few ways that you can learn about that lore that isn't just picking up the book, although you should probably just pick up the book. Um, there is the podcast of Ravnica, which is on the Dungeon Delve feed. Uh, uh, it's an oh, yeah. RSS podcast feed. Uh, we worked with a whole bunch of amazing independent podcast creators, um, and uh, they created a one-shot adventure for each one of the guilds of Ravnica, um, and that was put together by Jen Vaughn from uh, the Amazing D20 Dames podcast. So take a look at that. It's on Dungeon Delve uh, or on uh, the website at... Uh, com slash podcast of Ravnica. There is also two core rule books out there, two rule book gift sets. They're amazing. Uh, I would suggest checking out the Hydro 74 alternate cover uh, version from your local game store. They beautiful. look awesome. So uh, beautiful. If you can't get to those, the um, versions that you can buy everywhere else are also super spiffy and they both contain the most up-to-date versions of the text. And they're both beautiful. They're, they're, you can't go wrong with amazing. that. They're amazing. And they have a uh, uh, nice kind of foiling metal effect, uh, yes. which you can only really see if you if you see it in stores. We've tried to show it off on video here, and it's very difficult. But yeah, you got to go look at it you got to go person. look at it and feel it and touch it and lick it. Oh. Well, don't lick it, but... You'll lick the foil right off. Definitely put it on your nose, because your nose is the most sensitive part of your body. Um, put it up to your ear, and you can hear... All of the ideas contained therein. You can hear Jeremy Crawford whispering rules to you. That's not creepy. That's not <laughs> creepy. I was trying to think of a rule to whisper right now. You Fighters, have advantage. You have advantage on ASMR. <laughs> that stuff is so weird. Have you? That's a good podcast. We should uh, just do an ASMR D and D podcast for everyone. You roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. You crit it. You crit it. You're really cool. I You're know. a really good D and D player. Would you subscribe to the, such a podcast yes. if we would just be in Shelley telling you nice things in a whisper? Yes. Yes, I would. 
I like this. I actually kind of like the sound of the the dice hitting the microphone. It felt really good, right? Yeah. I'm sure it didn't. Does a twenty on, sound, sound different? differently than like an eight? This one's a twenty. This one's a one. Oh, weird, bad, bad, bad juju. Uh, excellent. Uh, so we talked about all those fun things. Dungeon Mayhem is out. You can play yes! that as well. You need to bring that home for the holidays. Everyone in your family will enjoy it, including the cats. Uh, yes. But not the dogs. Dogs aren't really backstabby. No. What? Wait, do you think Dungeon Mayhem is backstabby? I guess so. Yeah. I guess you kind of have to blow up the other person. It's very um, cat-like. Very cat-like. Fun uh, artwork from Kyle Farron. Yep. Beautiful. Brings it to life. Uh, easy to learn. You can learn it in like a minute. And you can play it in like five. Play it in five. So it's all a bunch of about replay. There's and different characters. If you're different. going to see friends or family and it, they don't play D&D, then this is a good game to get them That's to right. play D&D. That's right. It can, you it don't can have happen. to know anything about you don't D&D. Have to know anything it's just a fun card game. Um, but if you like, uh, if you have fans uh, and friends that are really into strategic games out there, Betrayal Legacy, oh. you might want to pick up, or oh. Axis and Allies and Zombies. Yes. Always uh, a pleasure um, to jump into. Yep. We've started playing a, a Legacy campaign here yeah. in the office. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, How was that? Shelly tried to slow play something and it worked really well. I tried to what? You slow played uh, that first session. Thank you. Yeah. There are going to be some spoilers that I know. I'm just going to pretend. That yeah, you well, you, it's called acting. And you have. I was a theater major. You know everything. I acted like I didn't know the twist. But you knew. But I knew. And like you the were, whole time. And you were sassy about it, too. And I was so sassy about it that I actually almost convinced myself. I'm like, wait, maybe it's not true. You're like, maybe we got the one copy wait that doesn't minute. have it. Yeah. Maybe. That's the power of imagination, people. Mm-hmm. You can convince yourself if that you, can you don't remember things. If you can convince your own self. Yeah. Right. I like it. But that's, anyway. That's true. Such a great. True acting right there. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You're a method actor. Well, I am, you know, college educated <laughs> actor. <laughs> Do you have an MFA? No. Uh, I got a BA. 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 Uh, oh, no. BFA. Right. I was going to say. No. Yeah. Right. Not definitely. No. You need to go to get a Just master's. Beef. You didn't get a master's. I'm only at the B level. Are you a doctor of acting? I'm a PhD. Mm, my dissertation was on King Leo. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think we should throw it to some fun lore. What do you think about that? Yes. Let's get some bings and bongs and listen to the dulcet tones of Chris Perkins doing ASMR. Okay. He would actually be really good at it. He does have a voice. Welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. Hello. Today on this segment, uh, where we talk about bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore and how you can use it in your game or just for fun, we're going to talk about the Gith Yankee uh, in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. and uh, Not to be confused with Jith Yankee, which don't exist. <laughs> 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 is that the ultimate, you know, the, the creator of the, the Gith Yankee uh, was who, by the way? Oh, uh, so the the creator of the Gith Yankee was, so the creator was Charlie Strauss, legendary British uh, science fiction, fantasy, and horror novelist. Mm-hmm. He got the idea for the Gith Yankee from George R.R. R. Martin. 
Oh, of Game of Thrones fame. Exactly. So, so George wrote a story called Dying of the Light, which mm. featured beings that essentially are the Gith Yankee. Um, Charlie gave him a new name and sort of repurposed them for his home campaign. Mm-hmm. And out of that, the Gith Yankee were born. Interesting. Yes. Was it? So we owe the Gith Yankee to George R. R. Martin. That's very, very cool. Now we have to get him on mm-hmm. the podcast and, yep. and only ask him about that. Nothing about nothing. Else. Nothing about anything else. Nothing about anything else. How how his how his tale inspired this race that everybody loves. Yeah. And did that tale inspire the Gith Zarai and the Gith Yankee and their? So that that, that evolved um, out of Charles's imagination as he was developing the race for his campaign. This idea of the bifurcated. Um, culture of the Gith and yeah. the segmenting of it into the Gith Zarai and the Gith Yankee after their after they escaped from mind flayer bondage, essentially. Yes, the Empire of the yes. Illithids. Exactly. So they broke free of the Empire of the Illithids. They they and then began a merry campaign of slaughtering the Illithids across the cosmos uh, until they succumbed to their own internal conflict and suddenly the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zarai parted company, mm-hmm. going their separate ways, the Gith Yankee to the astral plane and the Gith Zarai to limbo. 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 We're limbo. And among the things that separate them now is basically their outlook on life and their alignments. So Gith Yankee are customarily lawful evil and Gith Zarai customarily chaotic neutral. And, and it was... And correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the idea uh, was about that, but then also like how to deal with their former slavers. Uh, 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 I neutral. I think I meant lawful neutral. But uh, go ahead. Lawful neutral, not uh, – yeah. Um, because the, uh, this, the slaughtering of the mind players, as you were saying, that yeah. was one of the reasons why the schism was created, right? They didn't – Yeah, yeah. Esen- essentially, the, the Gith Yankee uh, ended up kind of becoming to some extent – what the mind flayers wanted them to become, mm. which were these evil, murderous kind of soldiers. Um, and the Gith, Gith Zarai were more enlightened. Um, Didn't want to just punish their... Uh, their exactly. Their, yeah, there's more yeah, to life than, exactly. than death and destruction. Right. Um, yeah. It makes so sense. the mind flayers uh, took sanctuary on the astral plane, and they like living there because they don't age. Mm. Um, so they can basically live perpetually. Now, there are drawbacks to living there, as we've discussed in a previous podcast. They can't have children, mm-hmm. um, and those children can't grow up on the astral plane. So what the Gith Yankee do is they take they, – they build what they call creches in the material plane. And within these creches, they raise and train their young mm-hmm. until they're of adult age and can be taken back to the astral plane to join the greater body of Gith Yankee there. Now, Dungeon of the Mad Mage is the first adventure really – um, first published adventure that introduces a Gith Yankee crush. Oh, um, there's one in Undermountain. There's one in Undermountain. Mm. And that's, that's what you come into contact with if you go deep enough down. Now, Gith Yankee don't like strangers stumbling upon one of their crushes, and they take umbrage at any intrusion. And so you have to tread lightly or be obliterated. Yes. And the other thing about Gith Yankee to watch out for is that they have a long-standing treaty and alliance with um, one of Tiamat's vassals, um, Ephelamon the Red Dragon. Mm. And because of that long-standing treaty, have basically Red Dragon allies backing them up. Oh. And you will encounter several of these big dragons um, with their Githyanki, count- with their Githyanki companions in 
dungeon of the Mad Mage. If and you are so misfortunate. Oh, okay. Are they protecting the crash? That's kind of what the that's kind of the that's treaty? kind of the deal. Yeah, yeah. Now the crash, uh, the Undermountain crash, is a very unusual location. I don't want to spoil too much, but suffice to say, it's it's got some very exotic mm. uh, surprises mm. and. Uh, at one point, you're sort of um, transported from the dungeon to another location um, that has been part of Undermountain since the the earliest days. Mm. Uh, was there always Githyanki in Undermountain? No, this is a new thing that was added um, as we were as we were fleshing out the depths of Undermountain. And uh, one should know that uh, Undermountain in earlier editions was. Very well defined in sort of the upper levels, but the deeper you got down into the dungeon, the less, the more, the less there was mm-hmm. that was codified, and so there were entire levels of the dungeon which had basically one paragraph descriptions, and then it's like, okay, DM, go off and create your own yeah. thing. Um, we took those definitions, expanded on them where we could, and for the levels that still seemed to need something, we added stuff that was appropriate level-wise. For that level, so that when the characters got there, they would be of a certain level. They'd fight challenges or meet challenges that were basically level appropriate. Yeah. And one of the races that we always knew, or I always knew, that I wanted to inject into uh, uh, an adventure was Gith Yankee. Um, Why but, is that? What, what's your appeal there? Uh, my appeal there is they are they're a very exotic and uh, multifaceted adversary, mm. um, unlike say, orcs and hobgoblins and other humanoid races, which you tend to sort of grow out of early on, Githyanki are a mid-to-high-level humanoid threat. Mm. Um, so uh, they give you sort of a, a change of pace. And they bring something unique to the game, and that is that they're psionic creatures. They're one yeah. of the first psionic races that really appeared with any sort of force or impact in the D&D game. So right there, you've got something quite unlike any other humanoid threat that you typically encounter in a D&D game. Yeah. In addition to their fighting prowess, they're using powers to basically teleport around the battlefield and mislead you and, um, and, and do other sort of mind games. Right. They've also got cool silver swords. <laughs> Um, which have a sort of a long-standing history in the game. A, a Githyanki knight's silver sword can cut your uh, what's called your um, oh connection to connection the astral plane to the astral plane. Right. So if you're that. traveling through the astral plane, you've got this sort of coil behind you, uh, linking you by the astral projection spell. They can sever that mm. with a swing of the sword. And if that gets cut, you're suddenly adrift. <laughs> and it's your umbilical cord exactly, to your, your reality. To your body, exactly. And that was, was that, I mean, that was created mostly as a, as a way to uh, have there be danger in the yes. astral plane, I guess. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You needed to have some monster who was able to do it. But how did those silver swords uh, uh, impact play in our plane, in the material plane? Not terribly. They don't? Um, no. I mean, they're just cool looking. Okay. Yeah, but their their primary purpose is what we just described, uh, and and most effective on the astral plane. Um, so, how does a dungeon master use? Because you, as you said, they're 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 psionic. They're supposed to be clever. Yes. Adversaries. What advice could you give to a, a dungeon master to run them effectively like that? 
I think that um, their lawful evil nature, nature means that they're kind of hobgoblin-like in terms of their, quest, their thirst for conquest, mm-hmm. their thirst for control and domination. Those are kind of their key things. They see themselves as kind of timeless creatures where time for them, except for their brief stints on the material plane, doesn't really pass. It means that they can... Um, in some ways, it dispels some of their fear. You know, it, it creates an invincibility complex. Oh, so, so, you, they, so a clever player can use that can, to their can advantage. Can use that to their advantage or press a fight against a Gith Yankee knowing that the Gith Yankee won't back down mm. uh, until he remembers that, oh, yeah, I, I'm actually immortal <laughs> and could die. Um, <laughs> That's dangerous. But I think, I think the key thing with the Gith Yankee is there, there's just kind of something they're not human. They're not traditional material plane. So you can kind of play with the alienness of their mindset that they may, um, they may not regard you as anything more than just ants, mm. you know, to be stomped out or rats. There's a, I think they're typically played with kind of like a cold detachment or a, uh, a level of, mental sophistication and intelligence that brute monsters don't you don't have to worry about so it sounds like an evil spock yeah in a lot of ways that's a good way to put it i i think that on some level they are kind of like evil spocks yeah that um, kind of detached uh, you know a detached emotional right uh, uh and i mean they've they've suffered right um so their cruelty is born out of the cruelty that was inflicted upon them. Oh, yeah. And their way of dealing with others is to basically pass that cruelty down. Mm. And so um, I think that there's, they're, they're sort of violent and bred for violence. There's a competition that exists in Githyanki society that doesn't exist in their Githyzeri counterparts. And, what I, and that stems from their leadership. So uh, as we've talked about before, Githyank, the, the, figures, the figure whom the Githyanki revere the most is their lich queen mm. who resides on a city built on the back of a dead god in the astral plane. The city's called Tunarath, and the queen is named Vlakith. She's the 157th in her line, mm. and she's ageless now that she's a lich, and she's also a super powerful wizard. Mm. And when a Githyanki becomes very, very powerful in her society, she will put that Githyanki through a personal test. And that's a bit of a lie because she views any Githyanki of that power to be a threat to her supremacy, and the test is designed to eradicate them. Ah. And, um, but if you're far enough down the Githyanki chain, you aspire toward that test. And so there's this fervent interest in proving yourself to your queen in the sort of belief that you will either rise to a great position of prominence or possibly stand by her side as one of her cherished generals uh, to fight great battles across the cosmos in her name. But in all reality... It's, in all reality, it's, she's, she's looking at you and going, mm, sweetie pie, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is, this was a lose-lose situation no matter what you did. Yeah. So that's the, that's the culture of leadership yeah. um, in Githyanki society. Now, is there any... Because this crash that people or, or any crash that people might uh, uh, you know discover yeah um, is around uh, uh, tending to the young mm-hmm. and you know you've got to have at least some empathy 
if you're stationed here, uh, yeah. or, or, or perhaps not, but there might be some individuals in the... There really isn't, because what happens is, uh, after a Githyanki gives birth to a baby... Is it a live birth, or is it... It's is a it, live birth. It's or, sorry, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's an egg. Yes. Right. It's an egg. Githyanki have eggs. Um, <laughs> Important distinction. When the egg hatches, the child does not stay with the parents. The child is immediately put into indoctrination. Um, okay. And so there is no maternal or paternal bond that a Githyanki ever enjoys in its lifetime. What if a group of adventurers uh, steal a baby Githyanki and raise or, it as or, or witness a, you know, a, a, an egg opening with no other Githyanki around? In that case, uh, the Githyanki, like any tiny helpless creature, is likely to bond to whatever you know, it, it sees first or touches first or whatever. And this may explain why in extraordinary circumstances you may have a Githyanki who's raised outside of Githyanki culture mm-hmm. in, with the potential to become, say, a hero right. or an adventurer as opposed to a tyrant. And that's where you get Githyanki characters. I see. Um, essentially, Githyanki who have either become, either they've caught on to how bad Githyanki society really is and just can't abide it very much like Drist in his relationship with the drow. Mm. Or they're taken from Githyanki society so early that they don't even know what it's all about and are completely just raised with different beliefs and a different culture to be someone that they're, they were destined yeah. not to be. Because you can imagine there's, you know, if there's no indoctrination, right. then the, exactly. the, the, the individual yeah. is free evil, to choose Evil is learned. It's not, you know, innate in yeah. Githyanki uh, belief, just like humans. Yeah. And so you take an Githyanki out of its environment young enough, it will never grow up to be the monster that its people would like it to want. That could be a be. pretty interesting yeah. you know, subplot for, for exactly. a, a party yes. going through Dungeon of the Mad Mage if now you want to explore there that. There are Githyanki in the universe who would like since they are so multifaceted it's not surprising that there are many who actually would like to see the reunion of the Gith people. Oh. Githyanki and Githzerai bonded together as one again. Uh, so they're a little bit more enlightened than their, Githy- their other Githyanki fellows. And some of them go, has gone so far as to join a sect, a sect that the Lich Queen seeks to eradicate and destroy utterly, and so do her generals, a sect of Githyanki and Githzerai working together to reunify their people. Hmm. And if you've ever seen the old Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Spock goes to Romulus, this is very much the same thing. Yes. Um, it's an attempted reunification of a bifurcated people. And this group is called the Shasal Ku, and their members are everywhere, hmm. including Undermountain. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, you can run into some members of the Shasal Ku and maybe help them and in exchange, they'll maybe help you get through some of the challenges of the dungeon that they've discovered. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, of course, what the Shasal Ku and what the Githyanki and the Githzarai all share is a hatred of the Mind Flayers. Mm. Um, there's no trust there, and there's no love. <laughs> and Undermountain is also home to a Mind Flayer population. Not surprisingly, they're everywhere. Well, and uh, especially underground. So part one of, one of the great joys in writing Dungeon of the Mad Mage was introducing some internal conflicts within the dungeon mm. that the characters could intrude upon and affect, either by waging battle against one side or the other or actually you know, mucking it up in other ways. And one of those conflicts is the conflict between the Gith and the Illithids, the Mind Flayers. And do both of the parties within 
turns to them or both of those factions do they know of the existence of the other yeah they are they are now aware of each other once the, yeah. the player characters come and in, stumble uh, uh, they're actually aware of each other before the characters come in. Oh, the characters okay. are sort of coming in at the cusp of this discovery mm. of these neighbors who don't now like each other, um, who have gotten so close to one another that something's going to happen. Yeah. And if the, you know, the characters might do the Mind Flayers uh, an unwitting flavor by wiping out the Gith, or vice versa. They might wipe out the Mind Flayers, do the Gith a favor, um, and, and kind of solve that crisis uh, before it balloons into yeah. something big. Now, how does... Uh the leadership of Halister Black Cloak in this area, uh, you know, he, he's obviously aware that both of these factions are here. Halister is pretty much aware of anybody of everything that happens within his domain of Undermountain. So that, why does he? Why does he put up with it? Yeah. Um. Why does a mad person do anything? Uh, <laughs> That's not always going to so, be an easy yeah, answer for yeah, for the exactly. dungeon of the Mad Mage. But so uh, Undermountain has a long history of, of vying factions and things going on in Undermountain. Not necessarily all things that Halister would approve of, mm. but part of Halister's charm or dementedness is that he allow he brings creatures into Undermountain or allows creatures to infiltrate Undermountain without any sort of uh, prescience to how that is going to play out. Part of it is he's ephemeral and chaotic and he just wants to see what happens. Part of it is he knows adventurers are always going to stomp down into the dungeon and run afoul of these creatures and one will take care of the other. Mm, so he's um, just basically, he's like got a, um, an ant farm and he's like, let me just shake yeah, it up Yeah, and very see what much happens. So, very much so. And exotic creatures are nice to kind of watch and learn from. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, if, if, say, the Mind Flayers were in danger of really just sort of running roughshod of the entire dungeon, then he might take a more active hand in things for fear of them gaining too much control. But one of the, th- one of the things about Undermountain is everything is so compartmentalized yeah. that uh, it never completely gets out of hand. Where it's going to get out of hand is with the adventurers. The adventurers are sort of the wild cards. They might be the catalyst exactly. that, that drives right. one thing where yes, he might want to be Yes, exactly. Involved. Um, cool. And so, yeah, so Gith Yankee are just sort of complex alien villains uh, whose, whose rationales um, you can really sort of play with. Mm-hmm. They've got internal politics, which is interesting, and they've got these counterparts in the Gith Zerai who provide a, a fun contrast. So if you need help dealing with it, if you need help understanding what the Gith Yankee want, talk to a Gith Sarai. They can probably fill you in on some details. Right, or have an NPC yes. that could exactly. let you know what's happening. Right. And, uh, and then it's up to the player characters to make some decisions, right? right? Yes, yes. And probably the best decision is don't muck with the Gith Yankee too much. Don't muck, you know, don't, don't, don't storm the crash. The problem is you may be in it by the time you realize that you're in it. That you're in it. Ah. And that's, so that's at that fun. point, at that point, it's it's a fight or flight situation, because nice. if the Gith, the Gith Yankee don't want you there and they don't want you escaping to tell other people that it's there. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much just boned <laughs> <laughs> and they've got dragons, big, uh, big red dragons. I, I think this is a big uh, signpost just being don't go into Undermountain unless <laughs> you're OK with getting here. Boned. There be dragons. <laughs> And here there be Gith Yankee. <laughs> and, uh, and you may find yourself blasted into the astral plane if you're not careful. It's not a safe place. Undermountain is definitely not a safe place. It's, it's made all the more dangerous by these alien threats. 
that are uh, yes, exactly. Very fun. Uh, cool. Yes. All right. Well, if people want to uh, get in touch with you about more ways they can uh, fantasize in killing their player characters, how do they do that? I'm at Twitter at Chris Perkins D and D. Excellent. I can't wait to uh, jump into Dungeon of the Mad Mage myself. Yep. Uh, it, there's a lot of fun story to mine there. Excellent. Thank you guys uh, so much. We'll be back with some more lore uh, next week. <laughs> he thinks we're gross. Ryan's really gross. <laughs> Are we grossing you? Is it because whispering? Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was gross about, was, was the mouth sounds. <laughs> That's a big part of the That's- ASMR stuff. Uh, licking, we got to do a Mitro and an outro. This is and licking the core rulebook gift set. <laughs> That's what it sounds like? It sounds delicious. Uh, you guys are in for a treat with this interview with Mr. Steve oh, I Hobbs. Can't yes. Washington State Senator. Give a listen right about now. <laughs> We are joined here in the studio by an amazing, I think this is the first for Dragon Talk, Yep. maybe for the world, an elected state official is here. That's How's it me. going? That's Mr. Me. Steve Hobbs. I feel like we should raise a flag or something. Yes. Something. The flag, flag of Cascadia? Yes. I love it. Yes. I love it. I love it. Welcome, Steve Hobbs. How are you? I am doing great. I'm going to try not to geek out too much and nerd out too much because I'm a big fan of your show. Aw. So, big fan of your show. Thank you. Do you know what show you're on? Yes, I'm okay. on Dragon Just Talk. Yes, sure. and <laughs> thought because, it was a critical role or something. Because today is, um, and I know time is meaningless in a podcast, but today <laughs> is Monday. It is D and D night for me. Oh, so, yes. nice! So I'll be out around the table later tonight at six p.m. playing D and D. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. day. Having come here, coming to the office, mm-hmm. talking to Shelley because it's you know. Right. Annoying talking and to me. That, but guy. then, uh, yeah, you get to show off all of your yes. nerd cred, not only here on the podcast, but then uh, back home mm-hmm. with your group. Playing your products. Nice. Helping out your company. What are you playing right now? I am playing uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Oh, Sweet. timely. Yes. yes. I am not the DM on this one. But okay. But you're yes. a, what, what character are you playing? I am playing a wizard this time. Oh. I am. Is this different for you? It, it is. I use. I played a fighter last time because it's so easy. I just bash things. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, wizards a little. You gotta think, and you can't waste all those spells. Otherwise, you have nothing. Right. And then right. Next thing you know, you're dead. Yeah. You know? That's why I've stopped playing a wizard. Oh. I realize now it's actually hard. It yeah. is hard. Yeah. You have to come mm-hmm. up with a whole new creative solutions for things. Obviously, you can always be like that mm-hmm. bang bang zoom zoom. You know, yeah, missiles you, and fireballs. Think but and be strategic and not not use up all your spells. That's right. Yeah, that's very right. hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's it is fun to just play the fighter and, and smash. You, you know is. your place. Like you know, like I have to go first. <laughs> be a meat shield. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is my role. You don't really have to think about protecting the peeps. It's very. You win a lot of political points, right? Yeah. I get you get more constituents when you're a meat shield. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the strategy. That's right. There you go, melting your world again. Meat shield, Cascadia. (laughs) (laughs) Vote for me. mm -hmm. Ick benign Waterdeep (laughs) or Waterdavian. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. So, I mean, we were chatting a little bit before. There aren't Mm -hmm. a lot of folks who uh, admit to being uh, Dungeons and Dragons fans who are in state assemblies. Yes, yes. So, uh, yes, I'm going to admit it. I'm out. I'm 
I'm a D and D fan, <laughs> and I play board games. And the reason is not only because I grew up with it, and why I want to talk about it is because it is a big and important industry here, That's especially right. here in Washington State. And I know it's elsewhere. Like your company has what 500, 600 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, you have private contractors that you 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 put out jobs for, uh, conventions, yeah. um, artists, writers. It's a huge industry. And so I want to educate our elected officials mm-hmm. about this industry here in Washington State. Because it's not just about airplanes and Microsoft and Apples. It's also exporting fun. I like that. Uh-huh. I send hey. out boxes of fun all the time to people. Exporting fun. That's right. Yeah. I love this. You yeah. could actually maybe you know take the Evergreen State away and just say Washington where the magic happens. Because it's true. Ooh. It happens here. That's, That's good. Oh, and the D&D. <laughs> oh, and the Avalon Hill. Yes. yes. <laughs> and the Pokemon and all that other mm-hmm. stuff that happens here, too. This is getting to be a very long slogan. I don't think they can put that on can you license, that on license plates anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. There are a number of gaming companies right here in our, right. our backyard. Paizo, Pokemon, and the smaller ones, too. You know, you got Green Ronin. Yeah. yeah. So here. Amazing. And, uh, these are all companies that are contributing to the Washington State economy and the economy as a whole. And I've met a couple artists, and I have my own, my own podcast, Geeks of Cascadia, where I've talked to artists where they rely on tabletop gaming to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Right? So, no, it's, it's pretty huge. And the convention, we you know, have a convention. We have OrcaCon. And, uh, look, it, it helps the hotels, yeah. the local restaurants, the food trucks that we're going to have. So... That's no, it's, true. It's, it's huge. Yeah. It's got this whole uh, sphere of influence around it. And I don't think a mm-hmm. lot of people realize, even here in Washington State, that so many games that you play are worked on and made and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, created. The rules are created here. Uh, you know, because I meet people all the time through my kids or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll say I'll work for Wizards of the Coast or Dungeons of Dragons. And routinely, many yeah. of them will say, oh, like the, the store. Yes, I always hear yes. that too. And the I, stores are still open? And they're not, no. no. But on the East Coast, I never saw those stores. Or there was very rare, I mean, I mentioned this a couple of times, but like they never really made it, you know, across the Mississippi uh, to be as prevalent. But, you know, it's it's it's... It's a thing that well, it's, it comes I, from this area. I love talking to a fellow representative or a fellow senator and going, you, you know about D&D? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, you know, uh, nerds play it, you know. <laughs> or have you seen Magic the Gathering? Yeah, uh, some kids play that. Yeah, everyone plays it. A lot of kids play it. I go, did you know it's made here? No. They didn't know. You know they didn't, they didn't know. know. They don't know. Now, the next thing I want to do is try to bring the manufacturing side of it because that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, think about all those cards around the world and think about all the books I, I read that uh, I think Greg, maybe you brought it up that um, Xanathar's Guide was like the number one bestseller on uh, Amazon right. for a while, right? Yeah, yeah many of the list. It was on the USA yeah. Today for right. all books Journal. list, Wall Street right. Journal. So this in is nonfiction, <laughs> nonfiction book, <laughs> which I don't know how that happens, but you know, whatever. Let's it's go rules. with it. Let's it's, go you with know, it. That, sure. So you got this hardcover book made from what paper, right? Right. So let's try to bring that here, and so that this one of the goals I'm trying to do is bring manufacturing. Um, here into this state, um, if, if I can help, I'd love to do that. I would well, love you to do that. Oh, well, as someone who makes board games, I hear there's lots of trees. Yeah, <laughs> lots of trees. We, all a, trees. we have a robust timber industry here That's in right. the state of Washington. Heard of it? Uh, yeah, that might And make you sense. know, people actually come to Wizards from other places just to visit. 
Like they will, oh, like it's like it, yeah. a tourist destination. Every now and again, you see it. someone in the lobby and they're just taking pictures. Or, <laughs> yeah, like it's so weird to work for a place that people want to just come visit. Well, what I love about wizards and I love about D and D is the promotion of um, diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion. Um, that is a positive message that we like to convey in Washington State. And you can see it in your products. Yeah. I mean, when I can open, I'm half Japanese. When I open up a D&D product, I can see someone that looks like me. Yeah. I can play a character that's like me. Yeah. And that is the type of lessons that we want to, and values that we want to convey. So it's, it's a great industry to promote. I love it. I love it. Get more of them playing. That's right. I, sw- I feel like there is time to play Dungeons & Dragons in between sessions, in between uh, uh, committee meetings. Let's see uh, if we can get that going. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it could be something that, that could really help, you know, bring the, the parties together as well. Literally. Ooh, party. Literally, yeah. literally bringing the party together. Yes. You know, Ooh, like, cross the aisle uh, yeah. parties coming yeah. together. That's really, I mean, there's something to that because I think what Dungeons & Dragons, you know, creates a situation where people from different walks of life um, and very di- different political opinions. Mm-hmm. You think about, you know, a chaotic good character is very different than a lawful good character. Yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. they, but they are all working towards the same common goal. Yes. Well, you know, I, I was thinking we do have – there are some senators and representatives and lobbyists that, will, that have poker night, right? There's yeah. a group that – I was thinking maybe we should have D&D night. I do think it. you Once should. I really do. You know? I'll, I'll, I'll come in and Dungeon Master for you. Okay. If you need it. <gasps> Live stream <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be good. No, there I really – because you know like the things that mm-hmm. happen at the table – tend to spill out into real life. Like the people mm-hmm. that I play D&D with, I just feel like more of an affinity towards those people in yeah. real life. Mm-hmm. So I think, they're, I think we're onto something here. We I should, think uh, we, we should could solve like this that. great political I like divide. It. I like it. So mm-hmm. how long have you been playing Dungeons & Dragons? You said you uh, started way yes. back in the day. I played way back in the day in the mid-70s, I want to say, uh, AD&D or second edition. Um, my, a buddy of mine, uh, his brother... Play D and D. He nice. took his books, and, and we didn't know what we were doing. And he he was the DM, and I, he con- he like combined different things. It was like a tank, and there was a green slime on it. Oh, nice! Uh, you know, you say a tank? Yeah, it was tank, like an actual <laughs> tank. You know, we're we just kids. Yeah, but that that um, evolved over the uh, over the years, and I, I kept up with it until about uh, early '90s. I think that's when I, I had to. I had to stop. Not because I didn't want to. I I loved it, but I I had a military obligation. I I spent uh, Mm -hmm. several years on active duty. And, um, uh, you know, they played a lot in the military. Yeah, I was going to say. I was so busy with my job that I never got a chance to do it. And then I, I, uh, as a senator, I actually did a tour here at Woods of the Coast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a really short game. Chris Perkins ran it. Nice. I nerded out. And I'm sorry, Chris Perkins. I, I I really nerded. I went out of character. I shouldn't have done that, but I couldn't help it. Right? I just I couldn't. Help. He's probably frustrated. But the fifth edition was so amazing, and I went. I got to get back into this. Nice. So I I went back into it. Um, you know, I, I was already into board games anyway. Uh, we have a you know the convention that we're putting together. I went, oh, yeah, I got to get get back into this. And it is a great escape. It really is, because um, I'm not dealing with politics. Right. Right. Unless it's in Faerun. Then you just deal with the the normal machinations right. and assassinations right. that would right. happen in uh, in those areas. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, no. There's something to that because you can turn off the stresses of the world uh, a little bit. It's not like it's they're unimportant, but you just can be like, all right, I'm going to put that to the side for now and mm-hmm. focus on some made up make believe problems uh, and then solve those and then uh, hopefully use that 
positivity and bring it back to your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about the OrcaCon. Oh, I thank you so much for <laughs> bringing that up. Right, because uh, I don't think any of us knew that you were I did not uh, know that. a co-founder of it. Yeah. We've been definitely supporting OrcaCon. You guys as a, have been there every single time. Thank yeah. you. Yes. So, yes, OrcaCon, um, we've only been doing it for a few years now. We started off, we thought, oh, man, we're only going to, hopefully we get enough people to pay for the hotel rooms. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, but we had plenty of people. 800 people showed up. You know, for the first year? For the first year. That's great. For the first year. And, then it, and it grew to, you know, you know, about nine hundred, a thousand. I think we're gonna we twelve hundred last year. Uh, we'll probably have more. No, we had a thousand last year. I think we'll have twelve hundred this year. Nice. I mean, we we met our room goal already. And it's in it, Bellevue. Right? It is in Bellevue, January eleventh through the thirteenth. You can go orcacon.org to get your tickets, and mm-hmm. we still have them. We've got three day adult registration at seventy dollars, and we got three day children's registration. At fifty dollars, and you can go um, on day of the con to get single day tickets. And we've got a, a lot of great panels going on. In fact, Jeremy Crawford will be there, so Good be sure Jeremy. to see that. Awesome. Um, when did you say when this is? Yes, it is January eleventh through the thirteenth. Oh, it's coming up very soon, which is the weekend just before session starting. So on that Sunday, where I'm Convenient. done, uh, the Monday morning, I'll be driving from the hotel. To Olympia, where I'll be sworn in for my next fourth term and uh, starting legislation. So excellent! <laughs> yeah, see, man, you're making a good run of it here. I am. Yeah. I am. So, what was the? Because uh, what was the? OrcaCon was the one that was kickstarted, correctly? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was kickstarted. What yeah. was so? And what was the goals for that, as opposed to say other conventions that are already like here in the, in the area? Um, you know, it, it was a couple of years ago, so I can't remember other than. You know, we wanted to sell X amount of tickets to pay for, <laughs> pay for everything because we were afraid that we were going to get stuck with the bill. Well, it was just like, hey, we wanted to start a convention and yeah. let's just well, do it. That's exactly what happened. We we hung out at Dragonflight, which you guys actually I've seen you um, I've seen Jeremy there mm-hmm. at Dragonflight, and I was saying, man, I want to I want to do my own con. I want to do my own con. Nice. And originally, we want to do our own con in Snohomish County. Um, but that didn't work out because it grew too much and there was problems. So we, we moved up to Bellevue. But January is a great time because you get low rates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a kind of a depressing time here in the Northwest. So right. it gives you something to look forward that's right. to. It's true. And we have a lot of folks that come by and uh, check it. Local game designers that come by. Uh, Chris Pramus and uh, Wolfgang Bauer show up. I know. They've been on your show. Friend before. of that's the true. Show. That's yes. right. Uh, that's right. Chris has been on uh, mm-hmm. at least once. We'll talk to him more for sure. And and they they get to be civilians. Yeah, play games. So it's kind of cool. So what's the focus of OrcaCon? So our focus is just tabletop gaming. Okay. Um, we really push for the inclusion and diversity, and we'll have certain uh, themes. I think the first year was LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, and so and then I think last year was uh, uh, Native Americans. And uh, so every year we, we try to change it up, you know, and, and try, to, try to grow. And that's why our panels are, are designed in such a way to promote inclusion and diversity and create a safe environment. Um, and, of course, have fun, right? Yeah. You can't do any of this unless you have fun. Right. That's right. right. And, and so you have all these folks. And what I really love is when you see these new developers come in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the future Chris Pramuses and Wolfgang Bowers and, and Peter Atkinson's there uh, trying to show their wares. Yeah. And that is so amazing to do that. And the synergy you get, because there'll be artists there. So maybe an artist, artist talks to a game designer and poof, you got a game. 
That is pretty right? cool. Yeah, I live. I love that too. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's. I mean, we've heard from talking to people that like you know that's ten twenty years ago when they went to their first gaming convention, they made those contacts, and uh, you know they ended up uh, connecting and ma- making something together. You know, we just yeah. had PAX Unplugged in Philly mm-hmm. uh, this past weekend. That uh, I feel like a lot of that was happening there too. Yeah, yes. and I've gone to Gen Con. Uh, went to Gen Con one time. It was like their 50th. Mm-hmm. And it was really neat seeing the uh, those game designers trying to really push their wares out there at Gen Con and, and doing really well. That's actually. good. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's not. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of them, people think that you get in this, this business, um, you're, you're going to be like a millionaire, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the case. You know, they, a lot of them have actual jobs because they actually need to put food on the table and they need health insurance, yeah. right? So you don't get health insurance if you're just designing games on your own. So. That's your jive. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But yeah. you could. We could. You could. Maybe that's a platform Well, for it's almost like most of the <laughs> yes. world does that. Well, and actually I was I've been trying to talk to some of the game designers and the uh, retailers to kind of create an association to to help them actually access health insurance yeah. and uh, pension. This um, is amazing. That's a smart yeah. idea. Like you're really doing great things for our, tr- our little I'm industry trying. here. I'm trying, but because we need to foster it, it's like I don't want it to go away. Yeah, right. I want it to grow. And why do you think a lot of companies that like you described? Mm-hmm. Why do you think they're here in, in in this area? Do you think it was just a lot of uh, uh, folks mm-hmm. ended up in the happenstance, and then it kind of grew from there, or or, or what? Well, I, I I think a lot of it came from the fact that Wizards bought. TSR. Mm. I think that was the spark, really, that made it happen. And, yeah. and then from there, if you look at the the folks that used to work here, Mike Seleniker and um, you know Wolfgang Bauer, Chris Bramus, and all those folks, yeah. they've started their own companies, yeah. and they didn't go that far away, right? I mean, they're they still move. around here. Yeah. And yeah. it just kind of grew and snowballed from there. And so we just need to keep promoting it. I, I know I, I joked one time, uh, well, I didn't, it wasn't a joke, it was on accident, we created a, a law dealing with golf tournaments. Yeah. You know? And it was just supposed to deal with golf tournaments. Everyone voted for it. It was a simple bill from Department of Revenue, and we didn't realize that it affected game stores with magic tournaments. Because mm. the golf tournaments, magic tournaments, yeah, yeah, a regulator exactly the same thing, of course. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but the the law was not clear, so a regulator would like charge a store, and so I had to help some of these stores out from you know preventing them from losing their business. You know, yeah. fifty thousand dollars—that's a big oh, hit. Oh yeah, for a small right. mom and pop store. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. And I didn't want this cascade effect to happen, and then these poor retailers go to business, and then you guys are hurt. And you know, I don't want that to happen. And when so. the consumers weren't able to to uh, f- have that kind of center of their community, yes, that type it, of thing. The the intent of the golf tournament bill was not to hurt. Uh, game stores. No. <laughs> that was not. <laughs> Intent matters. Yes, you, in that this would, case. That's a terrible... Uh, rule lawyering. R- being a rule lawyer. Right? Rules yeah, lawyering. Yeah, yeah, I know, yes, right? Yes. When you were describing how it, it, it happened, I was like, oh, I know that ca- that player. Yes. That is definitely someone who has been trying to get uh, uh, an extra bonus on their roles for, for whatever reason. That was where, Shelly, you brought it up when you, you were DM, where that's where a regulator went left instead of the right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same. I hate when go. that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's like being, an, uh, you know, when you write the law, you're like, oh, this would be the best law in the right? world. Oh, yeah. wait, no, they went the wrong mm-hmm. way. And that happens. You know, you, you, you craft a bill and everybody looks at it, all the lawyers look at it, all the lobbyists look at it. But, you know, sometimes we, we get it wrong. Nobody was thinking it. about the magic tournament. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know how that could have been overlooked. It's just, yeah. well, oops. They're oops. lucky that they have you on their side. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, and that's why we need to create an association 
and uh, get people involved in this uh, because things more things like that could happen. Right. And there's incentives out there and policies out there that we do for, let's say, aerospace and the egg community and high tech that we could apply for um, this industry as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just got to, you know, think about it. it, creating policy to help artists yeah. and writers. Um, and it all ties into the greater economy. It's a, it's a win. I it's love it. Win. I love it. I think that's really Done. cool. And mm-hmm. I just love the fact that, like, uh, I, I don't even feel like 10 years ago, five years ago, a, an elected official would be like, hey, this is a really big industry and people mm-hmm. need to pay attention to it. You know, it's so, like that's how much Except for you. things have changed. Maybe you, yeah, maybe you were well, already doing it. But. Well, the only reason is because I was at a, a, a game convention and one of the stores came to me and went, hey, I'm being fined $50,000. Like, oh. <laughs> Another reason wow. why game conventions are important. Right. Yes. And then you dig into it. It's like, oh, I voted for this golf tournament bill. That- <laughs> this is so my fault. So. We got to fix this. Yes. And that, that's why, I, you know, that's why I'm totally embracing this. Right. You know? Right. I feel like you know, a lot of people who listen to this aren't uh, in the United States system. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure people know kind of where we are on the on the civics lesson here. So mm-hmm. you are a state senator. So you yes. write uh, legislation for Washington state only. Yes, only for Washington state. Um, Washington state has its own Senate and House. It's like a mini version of the U.S. Congress. You right. Know, There's basically. the Washington state mm-hmm. con- constitution, which is different from the United yes. States constitution, yes. but very similar. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually, I think um, your local legislator, uh, whether whatever state you belong to, or if you're in Canada, you have members of, of your, your parliament there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, th- I think they, they do a lot more for your, your local community than, than the bigwigs. Actually, you know, a lot, of the local, a lot of the tax policy is down at the local level. You know? Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, so, I get, and so then the opposite version of that question is – uh, how can we take the lessons that you know from, mm-hmm. from being a, an actual uh, uh, you know, part of the, the government right. in a real world, how can people use some knowledge of your knowledge in creating a fantasy government that, <laughs> oh, that nice. is interesting wow. and like, but also feels like it could make sense? Yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I think I told you I, I, did, my, or I did my homebrew when I uh, DM'd this campaign, and yeah. I did take, you know— uh, my experience being an, an elected official and being in the military and create this this um, background that was, it was not part of the main story, but a, a background that was happening both politically and the, the tension that was happening mm-hmm. there. But you know, you can you can use what's happening now into your campaigns, and um, you know, certainly you can create a lot of storylines from that. Yeah. How do real uh, uh, legislators, you know, deal mm-hmm. with the problems of dragons attacking and things like that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I, I don't know if we can pass a bill to stop a dragon attack. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. We need to create a magic item that prevents the uh, dragons from <laughs> infiltrating this town. That's right. Yeah. Right. Maybe a uh, maybe a tax or something like that to 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 create a uh, foundry for magical items or something. Oh, I don't right. know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Or to to yeah to fund a uh, magic users guild to create more and more magic items in case they're needed. Break glass for mm-hmm. dragon attack. Well, and you know the the your water deep dragon heist, which is very interesting. You have these different guilds, which is like having different labor unions, right? Yeah. And uh, right now we're in, we're in the campaign, and we just got the uh, the in, right? Mm-hmm. But we got to deal with these different uh, these guilds, which I see as like different labor unions, and we're just trying to deal with the right union to get the stuff built, and you're in. <laughs> yeah, and it's about negotiating amongst right. the labor pool and making That's sure right. everybody feels like they're taken care of. Yeah. That's why it's like I'll talk to them. 
Yeah. You're like, I know this skill. That's right. Have you ever done that? Have you ever played like a uh, uh, a, a senator uh, in a you know, campaign? I have not. I have not. I try to keep those two worlds apart. A separate. Do you yeah. tend right. to play against type, like just a character that's very far from who you are in real life? Well, you know, I like to say I'm lawful good in real life, um, <laughs> but I play chaotic good. In the, it's nice to just right. let go. Right. Yeah, you can be the Robin Hood. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's the one time where you can let go. Yeah, I like do you, that. Have you ever played Diplomacy? I have, and uh, I have the same view you do. It's it's very frustrating, <laughs> but I played it twice, yeah. It's, I've heard that a lot of politicians actually do play that game. See, I just, I'm not good at the, uh, the ba- you ha- you literally have to backstab yeah. in that game. There's yeah. just no way around it, right? And unfortunately, I'm like, if you're, you know, you've watched Game of Thrones, um, I'm like Jon Snow. <laughs> like, it, it, I can't do it. It's hard for me to do. So yeah. I tend to lose on those type of games. Someone yeah. once told me uh, that the way I was behaving in real life, that I was mm-hmm. the Ned Stark of the situation. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he was saying it like it was an insult. And I was like, Bo, but wait a second. He's no. the good guy. I mean, he, he got is. he got screwed over he, at the end. Is. But like, that's somebody told you, mm-hmm. like, like, they just. Yes. That's they why were I, trying to insult you. They were trying to insult me. And I'm like, oh, I and took that as yeah. Ned Stark as. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? See, yeah. that's why I like games like Axis and Allies because you pick your country. Yeah, you know who your enemies are, you know who your friends are, and you don't have to. You, you don't change. You can't change, right? So right. It's not, great. There's no yeah. flipping sides <laughs> in, right. in that game. So yeah. I know I can't be backstabbed. So that's true. Mm-hmm. Unless you're playing the new zombies well, one. Well, say then. actually you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Shelley. Oh, so you put diplomacy, the diplomacy into the Axis and Allies? Yeah, I'm going to start putting diplomacy in all <laughs> oh, my board boy. games. Actually, Betrayal Legacy kind it's of. kind of like that, too. Yeah, it's got a little bit of that. Way to go. Dungeon Mayhem. Maybe you actually really like that kind of really mechanic. I really do like backstabbing. Mm. You just don't like it when it's done to you. No, I just like to do it. <laughs> See, yeah. I, I'm with you on Jelly. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. Do you ever use any... Uh, D&D, like dungeon mastering skills when you're out on the campaign trail or trying to get bills passed or working with your staff? No. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, I actually use a lot of my military background on the, on the planning on that. But That makes sense. But uh, if you combine my military background and uh, dealing with people when I was deployed to Kosovo and Iraq and a little bit of role play, yeah, that all comes in there. And like you, you two both have a theater background and I did a little bit of theater. <laughs> you did? Um, I did, yes. What did you do? Yes, it's all making sense now. I did Babes in Toyland. Nice. I was the evil Barnaby. Oh. <laughs> yes. It was a musical. Yeah. yeah. I actually sang. Um, Flowers for Algernon. Okay. I was wow. in that one. Our Town, though I was of more of a stagehand, I think, an extra in that one. Mm. Uh, 1940s Radio Music Hour. Oh, I don't know I that I was one. in that one. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Look it up. Google it. Yeah. There you go. I was the only I was <laughs> the only it. actor that didn't have to sing, which is great. So Oh, that's Ooh, it. That's, that's the best part yeah. in a I'm, I'm sensing a trend here where you're like, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I act, but I, I singing not so much. <laughs> well, you can't sing in the legislature. I don't think that would work very well. You can play Why? D&D in the legislature. You can sing in the legislature. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to give that a shot. We're breaking all the rules. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Who says? Just try. See what happens. It's the best filibuster there is if you're like... <laughs> Do like they might be giant songs, mm-hmm. you know, over and over as long as you can. Uh, so, what did you do in the military? You, uh, were you in logistics? It sounds so. Like? I, I no, I actually started off in military intelligence. Oh, yeah. I thought uh, that was a. I didn't know that was a real term. That, that, that was, was a, a real term. term. That's a real term. Uh, <laughs> actually, at one point, I worked for the NSA in, in Hawaii. I was there for a while, and then I became. Uh, I was enlisted, so I became an officer. Put in my officer packet, and they put me in the infantry, and I been in the infantry ever since. I'm now in the National Guard. Oh, cool. I deployed to Kosovo and I deployed to Iraq. 
and uh, now I'm a major. Um, so here I am. I'm, I'm going to go until they kick me out. There's a lot of D&D players, by the way, and board gamers. And, uh, there are, oh, right? Because yeah. that's we, we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Luke Gygax is a, a, a big actor. He's a in the major right in now. the National Guard. Yeah. He, and he's like constantly going on uh, uh, deployments and things like mm-hmm. that. So you're still active military? Well, I'm in the National Guard. So, yeah, I'm still – I try to still do that. This is another escape. So being in the military and D&D are my two escapes. Yeah. And as you said, <laughs> they, they combine a lot. Because right. I do. I yeah. hear a lot from – uh, uh, folks who are mm-hmm. uh, you know active and deployed who play, and then mm-hmm. also when they're uh, uh, when they're not when they're here back in the states. I, I also do um, I, I also do my little podcast, Geeks of Cascade. Oh yeah, tell about. us about that. Yes, thank you. I even got, I even made a little you know thing here for That's it. That's right. Oh, yes. <laughs> See, I've got the laptops. There you go. You yes. Got... So yeah, Geeks of Cascadia. It's a podcast about tabletop gaming. You know, it's a small local thing, and and we we have talked to people like uh, Peter Atkinson, Mike Salinaker, Lynn Hardy, Andrew Hackards. Owen K. Stevens, Chris Primus, Wolfgang Bauer, so some of the big names. Sweet. But we also like to talk to people who are just kind of starting out or mid-level. Uh, oh, so like us. Right. That's right. <laughs> like all of us. Um, so Nick Sabiki, who did King's Forge, Chad Gray, who did Goatfish. Um, he did a little Kickstarter. Alex Jarabic, David Gerard. Uh, there's a guy. And then I do kind of other side stuff. So um, Amy Gambala, who does this, uh, who does Dragonflight, mm-hmm. um, I talked to her. Uh, Tifa Robles, you, you know oh, yeah. her. I've, ta- I've had her on the podcast. David Hoppy with Gen Con. David Carnahan, which did this Alexandria RPG. I don't know if you heard of it, but he's, he's like a, this collector of old RPGs, and mm. he goes from convention to convention to oh, display oh. this. Oh, oh great. is he the gentleman that does vintage RPGs uh, on Instagram? I don't know if he does. Oh, okay, he he might. I don't know, but he's been to different conventions. Uh, he was at a recent one, unplugged uh, one. Yeah, it's just so amazing because I go there and went, oh my goodness, Star Frontiers. I haven't played that in a long time. <laughs> I love Star Frontiers. There is something great about a, a, a that kind of sci-fi uh, oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, and then see that red box, the original AD and D red box, it takes you right back. It does. Good stuff. It does. Yes. That's really cool. So Geeks of Cascadia, that's mm-hmm. a cool uh, name. I didn't really know what Cascadia was when I moved here three years ago. Now, uh, now you're one of us. Now I'm Both one. Of you are exactly. You've only been here three years. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? Really? Yeah. Four years in March. Huh. Um, but for folks who don't. Uh, uh, know about the Pacific Northwest? Mm-hmm. That idea is pretty interesting. Yeah, well, it's, a, you know, <laughs> it's basically the Pacific Northwest, right? I yeah, mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a cultural connection that we have with you know tied to the environment and the our our diverse way of life and our inclusion. It's um, I it sounds like it. awful. It, it, it's, right. it's horrible. It's terrible. Yes, <laughs> don't come here. Doesn't it rain all the time? <laughs> it does rain all the time. We want people to think that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I've also heard it under the context that people wanted to create like a new state, like like, like oh like yeah, actually, like I heard, bringing I heard it together. That. I heard that uh, probably not a good idea, but yeah, unless of course I'm the ruler of it. Well, that's then, I mean that, you would be the, you'd be the state senator. Let's do, <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Or the I governor. Yes. Yeah, yes. the governor. Of, you are head geek of Cascadia. Oh, I love that. I love head geek. That that's great. I like that Let's a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, there was. That, I mean, you know, I, I, I've seen the flags around, and people are always like, "Well, that's the idea of bringing, you know, was it Washington State, uh, Oregon, and parts of Vancouver mm-hmm. together under one well, flag?" Remember, there's a fantasy uh, setting. Uh, was it? Is it Terry Brooks? It is for sort of Shannara or whatever that it yeah. takes mm-hmm. place right kind of in the Pacific Northwest. So. And mm-hmm. do they refer to it as Cascadia too? They don't say Cascadia. I don't think. Mm-hmm. No, but let's it's call it name. Cascadia. Yeah. All right. We'll do From it. now on, mm-hmm. he lives in our neighborhood as well. He's also a West Seattle. 
That's true. Yeah. Mr. Terry Brooks. I should yes. get him. Yeah. Get you should have him on, on your yes. podcast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> We're recruiting for you at this point. <laughs> Terry, we know you're listening. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> oh, Dorabella's house. Yeah, that's right. Ding dong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, maybe you could have gotten away with that before the election too. You'd be like, I'm just uh, yeah, it'd be kind of awkward. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is not my district. What? <laughs> you could vote in two years for me, but uh, right. really, I just want you on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in two years for the election. So it has been said that in like in Hollywood, D and D is kind of like a secret handshake. Like if yes. you mention like something mm-hmm. well obscure D reference and someone across the room gets it it's like yes that's right and is some, that that sometimes happens with that, uh like maybe another lobbyist or um i know that uh, congressman Derek kilmer i uh, hope i'm not diming you out uh, but he did play D in his past that's um, cool. so he he was telling me he's trying to get his daughters to learn how to play it and i told him you know D is made right here in washington state so you're helping your state and by doing that. what did he did he know that he, he did not know that See? but he learned there you go, so spreading I'm the word. Teaching them, getting that word mm-hmm. out. So, and it, I saw some of the pictures that you sent. Was was that your children that you were playing with? Uh, I have one with my children. I've okay. got three boys, and and I was teaching them D and D. And I think you saw a picture. I have a nerd corner in my <laughs> yeah. office. I've got a big D twenty that's sitting there, and my comic books. Yes. And I was a big fan of uh, Star Blazers, um, and so I've got some Star Blazers stuff there. Sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that is that common in the uh, uh, senators' offices? No, a nerd corner. A nerd no. corner. <laughs> I don't think so. And what I what I love is it is definitely a conversation starter. Yeah. Well, that's Be- good because you'll you'll you know folks who visit in the office and then they'll they'll look at they'll, they'll glance at it while they're talking to me and it's like okay they're going to say something. Yeah. What are they going to say? And all of a sudden it's like so. Uh, I know you got some Wolverines there. I go yeah, <laughs> I do. Is that the Frank Miller one? Yes. <laughs> All right, you're in. All yes, right. it is. Oh, yes. Nice. See, it is like a secret. Mm-hmm. Geekiness is. is a secret handshake. Well, in the moment they recognize the D20, then I know they're a role player. Oh, yeah. yeah. We should give you like a little pin or something that you can just, you know, wear. Oh, that's right. That'd be cool. On your lapel. Be part of the club. That's right. Super mm-hmm. secret. If anybody <laughs> knows what that is, you know. We should definitely do that. I yeah. like. I can create a caucus. <laughs> role play a caucus. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. <laughs> And then I love all these ideas. you guys will play, and it'll right. be you know bipartisan. Mm-hmm. It'll be, I love it. I hope I'm not ruining my chances at president. No, I I, I don't, it's I increasing. So. I think it's so, the chances. Definitely. Okay, it's surprising. You guys had a big stadium full of people, right? You had like paid 250 bucks to watch D and D. Yeah, it's amazing for the for the um, uh, streaming many eyes. We even, had tons of them. I can't even think of it. it yeah. go back in time like 20 years and right. ago. You know. Yeah. No way. Well, more than 40 million people have played Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. since it came out, right? So that's that's a that's a huge demographic and that's just North mm-hmm. America. That's just, you know. And that's why we need to educate our policymakers about cuz think about this. You filled the stadium with all these people. They paid 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. They probably stayed in a hotel. They probably ate at a restaurant, right? You had an amazing set there. Mm-hmm. Right. Those artists, those carpenters, hopefully they're union carpenters. Yeah. Um you know, they all got paid. Yeah. Right? They put food on the table. Well, this, this is where I tell you this was done in California. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was done I know. in Waterdeep. It was in that's Waterdeep. Right. That's, that's true. Right. right. So it's I, all imported, right. exported out. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're helping them there. Hopefully you'll come back up here next time. I know you did it You did it here one time. Right? We did, did do the stream of Annihilation here in, uh, in Belltown, yeah. And probably you needed a bigger area, right? I'll work on that. 
Yes. Okay. Well, we need something bigger. See, there you go. But See. then also a lot of all the talent is all based, uh, or many of them are based in right, Los yeah. Angeles. So when we're talking about the actors, yes, how yes. we can uh, spread the budget uh, when yes. it's not being spent on you know carting you know hundreds of people across the country or things right, like that. Right. Uh, uh, that's where it gets harder. But right. I don't know. I mean, if you've got an enticing deal, I'll talk. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, the tax break. Just <laughs> the <for> ta- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Policies being made yeah, here. You got to get those actors to conf- live here. That's what you got to do. That, well, we were trying more and more. Are moving here. It's crazy. It, it's true, actually. Yeah, well, because they love Dungeons and Dragons so much. They well, need to be closer them, to the mothership. Because I'm not working um, in Vancouver. There's it's a, true. There's a whole thing up there in Vancouver. Yeah. So so we got to steal some of that thunder, bring it you know here to what Seattle. I would like to see, if I may. Sure. Yes. I would like a giant, like maybe Tiamat statue at SeaTac Airport. <gasps> so that when you get off a plane mm, visiting, I you're like, like what I is like that? that? And then you're like, welcome to Seattle, right. the home of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. You know what I love about that? <laughs> the different colors. Yes. yes. Right. Right. A female. Right. Powerful. Yes. Leader. Yes. Evil. Right. Yes. We'll ignore that part. <laughs> is she evil Chaotic or evil. is she just misunderstood? There you Perhaps go. Perhaps she I like was that. also fasting. I like that. My like understanding is she's <laughs> my understanding is she's actually she's lawful fasting. evil, so she does obey the law, though it's her law. Right. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. She is lawful evil. See, do I get I get plus five on nerd? Absolutely. Thank you you. Yeah. already. Thank you I mean, I'm gonna start. We were, Greg and I were actually laughing at like how much you were like selling yourself as like we were like. He had us at state senator. He wants to be on Dragon Talk. Because, like, I okay. didn't know if you actually. I, it's like if we they might have thought guests. I was faking or something. You know? <laughs> we make you take a quiz. Every guest has yes. to take a, uh, Fill a, a out nerd this quiz. Profile. <laughs> it was pretty nerdy, though. So, yeah. Congratulations. Okay. Good. You were you were you were in already. <laughs> but you sealed the deal for sure. Yep. Uh, but I like this Tiamat statue idea. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to have some representation. It covers everything. Well, and that mm-hmm. you'd have a lot less people would be like, "Oh, that's made here." Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. right were... nearby. Well, I, and I'm trying to uh, I'm arrange like a day on the hill. We do do that for different uh, causes, and so maybe tabletop gaming on the hill. A day yeah, on the, the industry on the Avalon Hill. <laughs> we can do that. You want to die on that hill? <laughs> we can do that. Oh, we no. can. Have... <laughs> I did. In wizards there. And, of course, that includes D&D and Avalon Hill and Magic. And we have uh, your competitors there, of course. So we've got to hey, be fair, fully, right? No, we support a healthy yes. gaming industry. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Some local, boats. Yep. local artists. That's what I want to try to do. And we're going we're gonna to work on that. So, Like I, we? Like us? Yes. Okay. I'm recruiting I'm in. <laughs> I'm recruiting I think it sounds out. fun. <laughs> I'll be the ranger. I would like you to have see my D&D bow. in every classroom. Yeah, uh, baby steps. Okay. Yes, we we could. Yeah. Tiamat statue. First. How does that work though? How, I mean, do you got you guys don't necessarily legislate for a curriculum, right? Or do you? Uh, we can. We can say that you have to have this type of class, and we we do 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 that. Just like I have, in order to graduate from the state of Washington, you have a certain level of math. So mm-hmm. you you can do that. So you can be like, you have to have a twentieth level character. Yes, to graduate. You have to be right. maybe tenth level. I, I think if I were to do that, I don't think I'd get reelected. But, um, <laughs> but maybe you, you never know. There's a lot of D and D players in this state. I think it would true. actually improve scores. That's the thing. I don't think it's a uh, uh, you know a, a crazy thing. I mean, you're t- right. you're doing That's you know true. reading. Yeah, you know, math. comprehension is super important. You're doing math, analytical. analytical like, oh, yeah. this is. 
is going to be a better thing to do. Social, like social skills are wow. hugely important. Yeah. I feel like I'm being lobbied right here on this right here. That's pretty what, amazing. You that's didn't good. know that this was going to happen. You're going to have to register as lobbyist now. But crap, you know. I will. <laughs> takes, I would lobby for D and D all day, every day. This is one of the things I love about D. We have like two lobbies. We have a lobby upstairs right. and a lobby downstairs. <laughs> have so you can... met Mitzi, our lobby dragon? Uh, I four years ago, but I'd like to see if Mitzi's still around. Mitzi oh, she's is still, still here. Okay, she's still around. She's Fantastic. around. She's still Fantastic. Uh, waving her large uh, <laughs> wings. <laughs> I was going to say laying eggs, but I don't think that's even. I don't no. think she's laid an egg in a while. In a while. Yeah. That's right. Those days are <laughs> we over. We have to check, though. Now we have to check. She's having the change. <laughs> is that, now it's we need change. to get Chris Perkins in here and be like, do dragons go through the change of life? <laughs> That is a lore we all need to know. Yeah. Only when they fast for 24 hours. <laughs> uh, and thanks to Wizards. You guys are here, right? You didn't even... You were not Washingtonians, but you are now. Right. That's Kids true. Are. Yeah. We, well, that, I moved here Chris three Brooks years ago for this. Flew out. He, he moved out here. Bart right. came to, he emigrated to here, Seattle right? for Wizards. He didn't even have a job at Wizards, but he knew Wizards was here and he wanted to work here one day. Is that all it takes? True. I'm giving up my job. <laughs> That's it. I'm yeah. come here. You just put it out to the universe. <laughs> and yeah, it, Wolfgang Bauer, I think he told me that he, he had a, he came out here too. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. When we talked, yeah, he said he was uh, uh, he was getting hired. No, this was Chris Perkins. Chris Perkins mm-hmm. was getting hired to work at TSR, but it was like when the transition was happening. So they said, mm-hmm. all right, don't report to Madison. You can go right to Seattle because that's where oh it's all God. happened. <laughs> yeah. That's a different community. That's a life change. Right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So as... As sometimes workers are being shipped to other places, we are importing. Yes. Or, yes, we're importing workers, right? Right, so, from right. different states, right. different territories sometimes. Importing jobs, getting jobs here. That's yeah. right. And I think, um, you know, I mean, gaming is a huge part of it, not just uh, a tabletop gaming, but video gaming as well. Like the digital That's true. Idea. We have a very robust uh, digital uh, gaming side here uh, with, um, a lot of people don't know this, but Valve is right here in uh, Washington State. Um, and um, they're in Bellevue, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, of course, Microsoft. You know that. Yeah. That's uh, that's where Wait, it Microsoft comes is from. here too. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about Wizards and Valve. I well, didn't know Microsoft uh, well, was here. It, see, uh, you need those these huge anchor companies like <laughs> Wizards and Microsoft. The spin off. It's like oh, you know, Amazon has a gaming arm now. Yeah. Wait, Amazon is here uh-huh. too. I thought they were in. You, you heard of that? Know that? Wow. I thought they were in Queens. They're a new company. <laughs> you do your just starting out. Yeah. I only care about D and D. That's what's important, um, but yeah, you're right. Like they're, they're, you're, mm-hmm. you, you, it, it makes this. I don't even when I was talking about. I used mm-hmm. to do the uh, video game side of things, and uh, there weren't that many hubs of where these were. But there, you know, would generally tend to be areas mm-hmm. where they would grow up, and because people would move there, then they start up other companies, like you said. So there end up being these these little pockets of of industry things happening. And I don't think mm-hmm. I put it together that Seattle was one of them until well, very it, recently. And a lot of it is driven why these they grow is because like policies that we do from the state, um, and they kind of feed off that. So mm-hmm. we have give a tax exemption to not just Bo- everyone calls it Boeing tax break. It's not just Boeing. It's for aerospace companies. Mm. And there's these small mom and pop um, aerospace companies that are feeding off of that. And so we can apply some of these things, I think, to the tabletop gaming industry. And we actually had some. We had an R and D tax credit that Wizards of the Coast actually used. Mm. What? While. Yes, when Greg Leeds was here, he he told me about that. Your your former CEO. Yeah. You actually used that tax break for re- for R and D 
for uh, yeah for for some of your games. And in fact, he was telling me that because of that, they they were able to hire like two people. And then when it went away, uh, and then you were kind of downsizing because it was the economy was crashing. You know, you had to let them go. But that that's a prime example. How maybe we can bring that back. And we can refocus it, rejigger it, where we're not just helping big companies, but you know, smaller companies. Yeah. And uh, so they can hire new people. That's and, a great idea. Yeah. And there's definitely the idea that, like, uh, you know, people think RPG companies are these huge monoliths, but they're not. They're no. just people, right? With you know, some of them have one or two people who are, you know, a, as you said, uh, yeah. actually making it their job where they get like health insurance and things like that. And many of them are are freelance. Yeah, uh, uh, and and don't have those benefits, but a, a tax break like that could allow them to uh, support their workers a lot more, and as well right. maybe uh, hire on a few more. Well, and if you can create an association and and, and give them access to information regarding, let's say, uh, a pension policy, which the state can help small companies out mm-hmm. with uh, their own pension, so that you can create this association and then have the workers have an actual kind of retirement. You know, it's got some little four hundred one k just for themselves, and so nobody's going to be able to retire. We've got to help. We've got to help people, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the lawful goods coming out. That's yeah. right. I see it. That's right. Affordable housing for game industry professionals. That's something I'm. I'm still a, a big proponent of. Yes. Uh, I suppose those driveways. Got to make those driveways happen. That's right. Uh, so, uh, what are you going to be playing next? You said you're now playing Dragon Heist, and you're thinking mm-hmm. about uh, uh, jumping into to something else after that. Yes. Yeah, so, right after we're done with Dragon Heist, we'll probably have a short break, mm-hmm. and so I'll, I'll be DMing for uh, maybe a short period of time. Not. I might go back to the homebrew. Might pull something from the Yanni portal because there's a series of smaller adventures there. Yeah, and then we'll do that uh, shortly while our main DM um, cobbles together something for the uh, Mad Mage. Oh, sweet! Uh, yeah. Oh, that's gonna be fun. See, I what would be really cool is to take the characters all the way to the 20th level because mm-hmm. people rarely do that, and so we really want to do that. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. I what don't you think I've now? played over the over seventh level. Oh, we're only second level. Got a long ways to go. Right, because you're just saying where you just got the bar yeah. uh, in, uh, in in Dragon Heist, yeah. Because uh, Dragon Heist, I think it only goes to the fifth level. That's I correct. Believe. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to plug. Uh, by the way, D and D Beyond is awesome. So yeah, it is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, we're old school gamers, so we use pen and paper. But now we got the thing, and we can just. Put in our hit points and add stuff in there. It's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when I was playing with my kids, I'll make their characters in D and D Beyond, but then print out the sheets so they have it physically yes. in front of them. They can make whatever notes on it what they want, and well, yeah. it makes it a lot easier. It's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That way, uh, they uh, they know all the rules. The inside. So, did your kids respond well to D and D when you taught them? They did. Okay. They did, and I want to. The hard time is the time. Um, I think. You know, they're going to Christmas break. I might be able to oh, yeah. go back and... Yes. Yeah. That's right. They'll games. be back. Yeah. From, are they in college age or... I have one that's going to community college. She's also in the National Guard. Nice. And uh, I have my my middle child uh, who is my child with special needs. And he was part of the... Wa- he represented Washington State in softball in the Special Olympics. Oh, that's awesome. oh, wow. And then my youngest child, who's he's 15, he uh, he's totally into hockey. Mm. So he loves hockey. Is he excited about oh, yeah. NHL? Aren't we coming supposed here? to find he out is. today if we get our team? Oh yeah, that's right. I think, I think they said I mean, yeah. I might have to check that out. I bet on the news it was a thumbs up. But I thought that no hockey is. Coming. I don't know. I'll believe it when my butt is in a seat <laughs> and I'm watching it here. Well, you, you guys came from the East Coast, so right. it's probably a big hockey's a big deal. Yes, it's, it's not so much over here, but it's growing. Yeah, yeah. You know? We uh, uh, you know there's there's you know the huge 
franchises and things on the uh, New York Rangers and the Boston mm-hmm. Bruins, and people you know really paid attention to those. But for some reason, ever since the Hartford Whalers left. I was always Superman. You know, I never got into NHL. I went growing up. It was like the Sonics. We had, like you we had the people. Binghamton yeah. Whalers. We had your farm team. You did. Yes, and I remember when the, right before the season was about to start with the Binghamton Whalers, the, there was a big event at the mall, and my dad took my brother and I, and they were selling all of this Binghamton Whalers merchandise, and he got each of us a little stuffed whale. Aww. I named mine Pucky Howe after <laughs> Gordy Howe. Pucky Howe and. Uh, my brother named his Pucky Whaler because he wasn't that creative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, still isn't really. You know, what probably what will probably happen is when they create this NHL team, they usually like maybe everyone puts in suggestions and they vote. So yeah. here's your chance, all the D and D listeners out there. Maybe you can have the Seattle Tiamats or something like oh, that. Here's your chance, yeah. right? That's a great idea. <laughs> oh my gosh, beholders. what would it be? What's a good Seattle like ice hockey mind flayers? But I need to have some kind of Seattle frozen- Owl Bears. Oh. I like that. Yes. Because you need to have a mascot, right? You I was going to say Ice Method. The who? <laughs> the Seattle Ice Methods. What would no? that look like? I don't know. <laughs> like a little evil imp type thing, but with a ice. A flump. flump. Oh, my God. Seattle Flumps. <laughs> Seattle Flumps. That's actually, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Everyone, I, everyone I would happens. That. Go push Flumps. That. That's right. The vote's tomorrow morning. Okay. Oh, vote? beautiful. What, the, for the name? Oh. Ah, <laughs> we're already awesome. naming the team. We didn't even get <laughs> the, the team yet. All right, we're gonna have to lobby hard for the flumps. I don't okay. know what's gonna happen. Email the Seattle uh, mayor's office. Uh, we want the Seattle flumps. Sweet. All right, well, we have your support. Flump. That's right. All right, good. I endorse. There, Steve is endorsing this. This googling uh, flumps. Like, what is? Why is everyone saying flump? What is a flump? <laughs> it's a fart monster. It's perfect for hockey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird. That is the best mascot. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, it's better than the uh, Philadelphia Flyers one. Um, oh, the gritty. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia doesn't have they don't. That none of them have looks good like mascots. A none monster. of their sports, right? Or is that Pittsburgh? Was it Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? I think it was Philadelphia. Yeah, I think you might be right. The fanatic, he's not good either. Oh, careful, because there's a lot of people who like the fanatic. There's fanatic fans <laughs> out there. There's fanatic fanatics. Uh, well, thank you so much for for coming and uh, uh, getting a chance to nerd out with us. Uh, we are, you know, huge civics nerds too. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were able to get into we're the, to to the government uh, uh, talk, uh, right. but no, I think everybody should be doing more of that and learning about how to do it on a local Absolutely. level as well as the, the macro level, too. So uh, I wasn't joking where I think I want to play a senator in a, uh, in a D&D Ooh, campaign. I okay. think that's interesting. I'll DM it. Maybe not All a right. senator, but like a, a politician. There you go. Figure out how you can be a good uh, leader without, uh, uh, you know. Allowing the power to corrupt, absolutely. Yep. High charisma and low intelligence. That's see, that's go. me. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> what? That's not fantasy. What? That's Greg <laughs> and alive. I feel like I'm typecast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was awesome. Uh, I can't wait for uh, more and more legislators to talk about D and D. Yes. Yeah. We'll do it. And thank to you, see Greg. all these great initiatives you, that you're pushing through. Yes. We can't wait. Um, it is really interesting to hear a elected official, someone who is serving in the government of the United States of America, even though it's just one state, it's Washington state, but still Cascadia or Cascadia, um, and how much they love and have a passion for Dungeons and Dragons. So I realize I don't really spend that much time with politicians. You don't? No. You don't hang out? I really don't. At the White House or not, other houses? Not that often. That are of different colors? But it's like, I guess I just, he was so down to earth. Yeah. Do you think that's because he's a gamer? Like because I'm we kind of have that shared gamer language? 
Yeah, like he probably felt comfortable here. But he wasn't like, I don't know. I mean, he I don't know what he's like at like a rally or something or like when he's campaigning or I when know. he's trying to pass a bill. I don't know what he's like, but yeah, he just seemed like a really nice, down to earth, laid back, cool guy. Yeah, he did. You're yeah. totally right. Right? Yeah. Not, not, I don't know what I expected. I don't know what I did either. I wasn't sure. I guess I thought I would He was very him. casual, kind of yeah. came in, you know, maybe more, I think he came in more as a fan yes. to speak to us. This was cool. Yeah. Because I guess I would always think, like, if you're a politician, you always have to kind of, like, be on and always, always be campaigning, even when you're not. But yeah. Because, you know, you're going to, if you had to keep reapplying for your job every two or four years, it would be hard. It would be hard. Right. Exactly. But, but uh, he just didn't care. He was just like one of us. Exactly. Because he is one of us. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I know. I know. And I, and I mean, we mentioned it a couple of times, but it's just so nuts to me that we have someone who is a currently serving member of uh, yep. a, a state Congress that is as much of a fan as he demonstrated him being. Right? And he makes, I mean, he, he has good points about Washington State having, we, there, there are a lot of game companies yeah. here. There are. You know, video and analog, but yeah. there's a lot of game companies here right. and a lot of game designers. And he's right. A lot of people do make their living from the game industry, yeah. writers and artists. and So so there's an important part of It uh, is. Of, it's an important part of our, of of our culture. It's an important industry for Washington State. And it's, you know, it's good that he recognizes that. And we got someone on our side who's uh, going to hopefully uh, fight for our right. To party. To party. With his party. party. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to use his party in his party. To party. To party. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to that party. I would totally go to that party. I'm not a party to it. <laughs> Try to keep this pun going as long as I can, um, but I lost the thread here. Uh, so <coughs> you guys should follow Shelly Moo if you're interested in finding out about Avalon Hill games. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Avalon Hill 2 on Twitter. The, the number two. The number two. Avalon uh, Hill 2. Which Avalon does not two. have to do with pooping. Not at all. No. Mm-mm. It has to do with amazing strategy gaming. Um, and there's lots of really great things that you can do while you're pooping and playing strategy games. And like the number two. I'm seeing the number two, so I guess why I keep saying that. Not a legacy game. No, that would be too hard. I accidentally stick or something. <laughs> or rip up something that you might need later. It's going to be permanent. <laughs> it's going uh, to leave a mark. Where is that family crest? I seem to be missing one. <laughs> oh, there's a ghost in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at all these cobwebs. Ow. <laughs> That's where they went. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got that going on, which is great. You can follow me at Greg Tito. Yep. I'm on the Twitters there, or yes, you are. on Instagram, Greg underscore Tito. Did you see my picture recently of a chair without a back and no. a coffee machine on top of that, just no. on a corner in West Seattle? Not did, really did sure. Did you get it? I took a picture of it. That's you didn't much get it, like, and wrap it up and put it under the tree, like a a, a chair without a back. Yeah. Oh. It's I, called a stool. Yeah, but it was. Short and maybe broken because the back maybe more ottoman than than chair mm. at this point. Yeah. So you get in your, your tree in your sweater. That's right. With your mug. No, that was earlier. That no, when I'm just you with just your, mean right now across me with yeah, the same sweater on. I feel like I've seen this. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now because yeah, I'm wearing the sweater. Because the sweater. Well, it's got Christmas tree uh, sap on it, so it smells really good. Does it really? It did a little bit. Oh, it's like pine cologne. Yeah, it's like sprucey. Nice. I wear spruce. By You're Calvin so Klein. Sprucey. Spruce up. Spruce it up. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, so that's where you can follow us personally, but then you can also check out what's going on with Dungeons and Dragons at DungeonsandDragons.com or DragonMag.com uh, for all of the Dragon Plus fun stuff that goes on there. There's a new issue dropping well, yeah, this month. Yeah, coming out very soon. Soonsies. Lots of great stuff in there, including things about Betrayal Legacy, if I'm not wrong. No, you're, it, that was last month. Oh, that's not. So there's but ones, Dungeon Mayhem, is. there's an interview with uh, the designers. Roscoe Wettlaufer and Jordan Komar. That's awesome. Yeah. Plus, there is also uh, an article about uh, b- blind characters and how to play them uh, with some information from me and the uh, person I used uh, oh, as a consultant yeah. for them, for my character oh, cool. for Clerical Air. So that's good stuff in there as well. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. You are all wonderful people, and we will be back with more Dragon Talk next week. Until then, I will have to say, 